Uh, right, hello uh, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. It's the 27th of April 2020 um, and uh, what are we, week five or six of uh, lockdown? It's kind of hard to remember these days really, isn't it? They all, all weeks and days seem like the same, don't they? But anyway, um, we're getting there. We're we getting through it a little bit. There's certainly some optimism uh, over the lifting of the lockdown in some of the countries across Europe um, and, uh, and even in the US as well. So we're going to be talking about that and the effect that that's then having on the markets in today's Trend Signal Trading podcast. As ever, uh, I'm joined with our resident expert and chief analyst, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Yep. Hi there. How are you, Jerry? You all okay? Yeah, not bad, actually. The sun, I did think we were saying goodbye to the sun for a week and a half, but it's come out again. That must be a good sign, an omen. <laughs> I think we're headed for lots of rain, so I think we might have had our summer. Uh, what's the opposite of an Indian summer? Uh, I don't know. A West Indian summer. A, 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 an English summer? <laughs> yeah, probably, uh, actually. Um, but things looking a little bit brighter, at least uh, with the markets and, um, and and certainly lifting some of those lockdown restrictions, Jerry. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. There are a number of European countries that are ahead of us, uh, certainly the likes of Italy, Spain, Germany and Switzerland have all announced measures to ease the lockdown, at least in certain areas. Um, and I think there's a bit of pressure. Old uh, Bojo uh, returning to work this week from his following his uh, recovery from COVID-19. Uh, he's under a bit of pressure, although I, you've probably seen or most of us have seen his uh, first press briefing outside number 10 uh, this morning and uh, the message is let's not spoil it we've done the hard the heavy lifting let's not ruin it uh, towards the end of this lockdown so I think there might be a few restrictions eased but it looks like we're going to have to keep this for another couple of weeks um, as originally planned so that's the danger yeah. isn't it as soon as you start um, talking more positively about things all of a sudden everyone will be back out on their uh um mm. back out in their cars won't they if it needs to be a sort of a balanced way of demonstrating it i was listening to something the other day uh, you know a, a, an expert i can't remember his name now but he's saying about how the sort of likely first step is probably to sort of you know open up schools because once they open up the schools that then allows more people to um work more effectively from home because they're not having yeah. to homeschool and work which from my own perspective is quite challenging um my patience has been tested uh, that's for sure um and then of course Course, maybe yeah. universities can then get started again it's going to be a drip 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 uh, thing i think bill gates was writing uh being interviewed saying yeah. it's just got to be done slowly testing 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 uh just to make sure it works uh really yeah. i i i, th I think the best thing to do is to listen to the government uh, the trouble with the media is that the media may made up of people who are, are really just giving their view and selecting evidence to sort of back up that view and 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 a lot of people uh, that I talk to, you know, I have a number of these Zoom meetings at weekends, social Zoom meetings, as it were, and we all find the sort of blizzard of uh, media reporting and views, and the lockdown's good, the lockdown's bad, it's bad to have hairdressers ending up, it's good to the pubs can open, no, they can't, the gardens can, and all in and and all I know is that there is no effective therapy, there is no available vaccine. Older people with existing medical conditions are at a greater risk, and if you have had, and if, if you had had it, you may only have temporary immunity to further infection. It doesn't make up. It just sounds like this is going to be with us for longer than a lot of people are trying to 
make out or be positive about, if you know what I mean. The, the, the problem you're always going to have with the media, it's just about the headline, isn't it? And, and everything is based on advertising and so on and newspaper sales and whatever. So it's whatever gets the biggest headline that gets the most clicks, that gets the most impressions, that gets the most banner advertising and so on. So, mm. you know, you always end up with these you know, no one's going to, they're not going to write an article saying, hey, let's do exactly the same as last week because nobody's going to click on that article. That's, yeah, well, that's right. And, 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 and this, we haven't had a pandemic for 100 years. You know, that's sort of what we're dealing with here. Not, not, not a pandemic like this. We had Hong Kong flu back in the late 60s, but you've got to get back to the sort of Spanish flu back in the, mm -hmm. this time, 100 years ago, just yeah. over. And, for that reason, no one really knows what's going to happen. There's a lot more uh, understanding of pandemics and people study the effects of it and how they spread. But all I know is the only way out of this is an effective vaccine. That's all I, that's what I believe. And in the meantime, the only way to get through it, through uh, relaxing the lockdown, is to let out the least vulnerable first and see what happens. Yeah. Um, let's face it, uh, these measures are to protect the older population who are the most vulnerable. And ironically, it's the older population who have the least to lose financially. It's the young people who have been furloughed, who have been made redundant, who need the, you know, the opportunity and the, uh, to be allowed to go back to work, to start earning money again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's why having, lifting some of those restrictions has been ultimately, you know, fairly positive for the equity markets, hasn't it? So there's been some, uh, there's been again a bit, bit of strength in the equity markets again today, uh, hasn't there, Jerry? I mean, yeah, down overall, but uh, well, we we had a bit of risk aversion, risk off last week. When we talk about risk off, we're talking equities going down, bonds going up, and the dollar picking up a little bit but it sort of changed towards the end of last weekend this uh, overnight certainly from the far east which is sort of spread to our markets and the u.s indices as well uh, but i still think the markets main remain pretty wary adrian the whole uh, move last week was on the back of concern about the first quarter earnings in the states because central bankers have made it clear they don't know what's going to happen jay powell the chairman of the federal reserve said that um, he couldn't uh, predict what's going to happen in the future because of the novel nature of the pandemic. So mm. forecasts were pretty much impossible. So we're left now with, well, who do we look to? What do we look to? I know what. Let's see how the companies are actually doing. And it's this yeah. week that's really important where we've got a lot of big hitters coming out. I mean, a lot of big hitters, not just in the US, in the UK, Europe. And that's it's those earnings where companies are going to say, we can't afford to pay a dividend. We might pay a dividend yeah. in Q2, Q3. And it's that sort of feedback that will, I think, determine how the markets fare at the end of this week, by the end of this week, I should say. Yeah, I mean, we've got companies like HSBC, Google, BP tomorrow, Facebook Wednesday, Barclays Wednesday, Rodot Shell, Apple Thursday. Yeah, there's some it's absolute monsters, aren't they? Uh, but yeah, of course, it's the small companies as well that um, that are sort of up against it too. So, you wow. know, I know you sent me an interesting article about um, um, small and medium enterprises. Um, half of them will run out of cash in the next 12 weeks. I mean, a lot of people find yeah. that sort of quite surprising. But, 
you know, I think we said in previous podcasts that, you know, businesses are in a similar sort of way to people. We talk about people being only one or two months uh, pay, pay slips away from not being able to afford their mortgage. I think a lot of companies are in a similar sort of um, position with their costs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, so, young people can save and do save, but nothing like they don't have anything like the savings of the, the older uh, section of the population. Um, and you've got to remember SMEs, most of them employ sort of five or six people at most. Um, and why would you keep an excessive amount of cash in your business for an event like this? Well, you might turn around and say, well, because that's, if you had done, that's what the outcome would have been. But this is a once in a hundred years sort of uh, event. So and it the is a serious... You can't, you can't, can you? You have to reinvest that money because otherwise you'd, um, you, you, you wouldn't, be competitive against all your all the all the other com, com, the competition that are investing that money. So you're sitting there on cash, but they're all investing it and helping to grow mm. their businesses faster. So you probably end up going out of business because you, you, well, you're not able to advertise as fast and so on as as aggressively as as your competitors. If, if um, you if you if your strategy was to build up a, a some sort of buffer in your balance sheet for an event like this, as you said, you'll get a lot better return investing it in your own business than you were asking HSBC or uh, Royal Bank of Scotland to pay you a, a return of quarter of a percent per annum. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, the important thing with cash, of course, is cash is cash, uh, and it's still there as opposed to some businesses uh, who just uh, are not going to survive. Uh, they, they just won't. Um, well, and, we'll, and it's we'll, we'll get some more guidance on that, won't we? Sorry, Jerry, to interrupt you. You can no, and it's interesting. I was reading the press yesterday, Sunday press, and the church were sort of coming out and saying that um, should businesses that are domiciled in tax havens be given um, support from UK government, as important as they might be? And it's yeah. an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Should yeah. Richard Branson's Virgin Atlantic be given, uh, Virgin Airlines be given a, um, support when he lives in luxury on his own island. It's it's those sort of moral hazards that you've got uh, that need to be thought carefully about. And I think Rishi Sunak has said uh, only at the last resort, when all avenues have been uh, exhausted, uh, will the government consider helping uh, industries, some industries that have got very rich backers. And I think he's got a point. Um, um, yeah. It's it's really interesting. I remember when um, they came out with the UK government came out with the the scheme for furloughing, and and then all of a sudden everyone came out. Well, what about the unemployed? The un you know the, the self-employed. Um, mm. Of course, self-employed don't pay the same sort of national insurance levels and and, and so on as and, and they can offset costs that employed people can. I know they don't have the same protections, but it's a similar sort of argument, isn't it? In a way, mm. Um, mm. and so and so is people who pay themselves through dividends from their business rather than pay you know should there be protections for them but they're not paying national insurance really though are they or maybe mm. so much that it's a very controversial subject to get into isn't it and i'm probably mm. annoyed quite a few listeners by making those statements <laughs> hey, uh, you know, a... it, the point i'm trying to make is that there's difficult conversations to be had everywhere uh, about this mm. isn't there um well, and look at look at the, su the look way. look at the supermarkets in the uk they're all benefiting from the business rates um holiday that the government have provided businesses. So it's not just, you can't, they can't single out businesses, uh, but the retail, the, the food retailers 
uh, I think Tesco is saving like something 400, 500 million, something like that. And coincidentally, they're talking about paying out a dividend of that amount. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and interestingly, you know, and they they've changed their behavior. They're, they're obviously doing you know quite nicely, and but they're um, as a business, but and of course they're not having the offers like they used to. So it's it's killing time. Uh, for them because they don't need to put the offers in people aren't buying people aren't going to restaurants so they're eating at home instead and you know they're buying it all from tesco and, and such well here's this is a statistic and i think this is one of the reasons why there are more available slots um on uh, is it ocado uh the one that um the independent food delivery service um they put up prices by 16 percent, and there are no offers whatsoever oh uh, yeah there you go but i mean you might market say, well, forces huh? well that that is it 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 is uh, and maybe their costs have gone up as well uh, and maybe they've invested a lot more money in uh, making more deliveries available but uh, it just doesn't read well uh, not for a lot of people anyway no no um okay so what about the movements last week then so overall down a little bit uh last week um jerry on the indices uh, that is anyway Um, I, I I don't know whether you can hear me. I'm sort of losing a connection a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm um, with you now. Just one second. I can hear you now. Uh, I'll I'll talk okay. a little bit though. But okay, uh, no, I can no, hear no, that's you fine. I, 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 we're we're back again. We're back again. So okay. um, last week, um, markets, as I said, um, had a bit of a risk-off move. Um, FTSE modestly down to 35 points. Uh, the DAX was down 290. That was quite a bit more, in fact, about two and three quarter percent. But US markets also stumbled a bit. The Dow giving up 460 odd points and the S&P 38. So between 1.4, 1.9% lower. Uh, and also the Nikkei uh, shedding 635 points, about three, three and a quarter percent. Um, and I think this is all to do with um, the US earnings uh, in Q1 and how bad it might be uh, and as I said we've got a, a few more of those this week that we've mentioned uh, a couple of times already so uh, quarter one earnings uh, and some big hitters coming out as we mentioned so it'll be interesting to see how the UK banks uh, are doing um, how the oil companies are and this just this, this big sort of worry about dividends and who's going to be forced well not forced to I mean the, the UK government has forced banks or the FCA has forced banks not to pay any dividends for the foreseeable future, but the oil companies, can they afford to pay much in the way of dividends uh, compared to what the market is expecting? And it's all of that that uh, has been affecting those markets. Other sectors, uh, currencies, well, uh, along with uh, stocks, um, the dollar benefited marginally last week, not a lot. Sterling slipped a little bit, the euro slipped a little bit, but the, the, the yen was unchanged. I'd say a marginal Gary, just quickly, move. Um, you, you mentioned obviously risk off, um, just to, for our listeners who perhaps don't listen to, or maybe this is their first time one of our podcasts, what does risk off and risk on uh, actually mean? Uh, what, how does that affect sort of different baskets of currencies and indices? Then? Okay, yeah, that, that, that's a good point, actually. So but the jargon risk off is removing, is reducing your risk to the markets. So taking the risk, risk off your portfolio. Correct. So, 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 so curtailing or reducing your risk means moving out of shares, which are traditionally uh, riskier investment, moving into cash, moving into sovereign bonds. So that's where 
you buy um, a bond issued by a government that pays you a guaranteed return. Uh, it's a lot lower than the stock market, but you always get your money back. Um, uh, and a move into the dollar is often regarded as a safe haven move if you, you're in cash because the dollar buys a lot more things than uh, good old sterling uh, and the euro and the yen and the Swiss franc. Uh, but uh, they, 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 they vary in sort of attractiveness in terms of being a safe haven, a haven for uh, safety when things are looking a little bit uh, risky. So risk off last week, move out of equities into bonds, into the dollar, um, into gold, um, and risk on is the other way around where uh, investors move into equities where, which are regarded as riskier assets. So engaging in more risk in terms of their portfolio. And just for, um, in terms of currencies, how does that translate to currencies like the Aussie dollar, New Zealand dollar, Canadian dollar, um, okay. with risk on? Yeah, that, 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 that's interesting. So risk on where the market's uh, recovering traditionally favours the likes of the Aussie dollar, the Canadian dollar and the New Zealand dollar, which are regarded sort of as commodity currencies. So when, when the markets are doing well, base metals will be doing well, oil, ooh, God, that's a bit of a moot point. Uh, but generally they will do better. But in risk off scenarios, uh, the commodity currencies that I've just mentioned wouldn't perform so well. In risk-off environments as well, you tend to find Far East investors love buying the yen. It, the Japanese bank, uh, central bank and the Japanese government hate investors flooding into the yen because it causes them all sorts of problems in terms of making their goods, exportable goods, yeah. um, um, uncompetitive. Yeah, an economy just, like uh, Japan, they want um, cheap exports, don't they? Or cheaper yeah. exports. So to pre a low-valued yen is better. Uh, yeah, it should, so you often see accompanying uh, a rally in the yen, a fall um, in the Nikkei, because uh, the Nikkei is made up of some very big exporters that uh, do not like a strong yen. When I talk about a strong yen, the yen is getting stronger today, for example. So the number of yen last week was sort of 10780, 108. It's now uh, uh, 107.15 to the dollar. Mm -hmm. So the number of yen is weak, is smaller, i.e. the yen um, is uh, rallying against the dollar. Yeah. So we've actually had a continuation short um, on the 24th. So Friday's closed and we've still got one open from uh, the 13th as well. So we're on the right side of uh, that move. And I suppose for traders, it, it, you know what you're trading and that risk on risk off is more of a view at the moment about how you feel about the this COVID-19 and the impact so if you feel that you know that there's risk we'll have another big sort of you know burst of negativity uh, then that would I guess lead to a reduction of fall in stocks but you'd expect also fall in things like the Australian dollar and Canadian dollar and probably more strength in the US dollar uh, wouldn't you and probably gold yes yeah. there's a correlation in these markets is really what I'm trying to say and the way in which you trade it is really based on I guess that perception of how uh, COVID-19 will, will play out yeah yeah, I think, exactly. I think a lot of people don't understand that correlation, which is why I um, I wanted to bring it up. Uh, yeah, really. no, that's a very good point. Very good point. Um, okay, one other so thing what, what about oil, Jerry? Yeah, what on oil. Earth? Well, we mentioned this time last week, didn't we, in our podcast, that uh, the storage capacity in the US was um, drying up, as it were, or filling up, more to, the, <laughs> to be accurate. Um, and that's exactly the problems that uh, existed last week. Um, if you can um, 
yeah, you got that. Uh, that's uh, you were showing U.S. oil there. So that, that that's yeah. exactly the the market we have to look at. Now, our uh, this particular chart from Charting Center uh, does not show a negative price because a lot of charting uh, applications can't have a negative price. Uh, but um, last week, that's exactly what haven't happened. Um, exposed the whole market to the reality that uh, is the oil market with massive overproduction now compared to a demand. Uh, demand has collapsed by a third. Sure, you've got OPEC plus cutting production, but that's nothing uh, compared to what's happening with demand. And so oil, uh, they haven't been able to cut down the production just like that. There's a lot of oil in the pipeline, metaphorically and, and, and physically speaking. Uh, and it's that oil that's had to find a storage, a home for it. And traders rushed to find the storage with all that excess inventory. And this is what happens with um, with the price. Uh, you had producers, traders who own the oil having to pay to have the oil taken off their hands, which effectively means a negative price. Some traders paid up to $37 a barrel to have their oil stored, which is a nightmare. So effectively, yeah. it means that they were uh, paying people to take it off their hands. Correct. So normally they're receiving money, obviously. I know it sounds ridiculous yeah. to, to explain it, but it's just what a ridiculous situation it is. And so normally, obviously, you, yeah. you'd sell your barrels, but here you're you're paying people to take it off your hands. So I put something up on Facebook, and my friends were like, "Hang on a second. So are you telling me <laughs> that if I, I could receive money yeah. and receive the oil uh, if I can store yeah. it?" Uh, well, but yeah. of course, you know, the, the problem for people who own oil is no one wants it no one needs it at the moment Absolutely. and there's no place to store it and if you want to store it guess what you had to pay 37 dollars to someone to take it off your hands which means if you and i adrian owned a big storage tank somewhere wherever it might be in the us say it could hold i don't know hundred thousand barrels wow can you imagine you mm. can someone's going to pay you 37 dollars to take their oil for a month um, and at the same time, this was the May expiry. So uh, in the US, they, they, they trade monthly contracts um, and the May expire, May contract expired last Tuesday, hence the reason in the markets, hence the reason why the following day immediately jumped up as we were yep. then trading the June contract. But ever since then, the June contract has fallen as well. As you can see, it was above sort of $21 at one stage, but it meant that if you had storage, uh, and you own that oil having been given it and $37 a barrel on top, you could then sell it in the June contract for $20. You've made $57 a barrel <laughs> without doing anything, just yeah, storing it. That'll do. Now, what what's going to happen by mid um, um, May? Uh, May, sorry, with the June contract? Who knows? Uh, but um, there may be a similar situation that brews there. But I think by then uh, we'll have a lot more clarity on the lockdown measures, how they've eased, et cetera, and the impact on uh, consumption. Uh, and it may be that, you know, the price reacts positively, but uh, everyone knows about what could happen. And the oil market is just not responding. As you've seen today, we're, we're off quite a bit already, aren't we, on the... Um, uh, the Far East market setting the tone. I mean, that that's uh, mm. off a, a good buck, isn't it? Maybe more. Um, well, yeah, I $2, mean, well, two dollars, isn't it? Three dollars, nearly, nearly, nearly yeah. three dollars. Uh, it's off from Friday's close. So, uh, so I mean, you, you would think that we're not going to suddenly solve um, the supply problems if we're if we're if there's still 
creating or pumping more oil than we're using, then really we should have even bigger problems um, in yeah. uh, in a few weeks' time when the next contract uh, stops. Yeah, you, you think so, uh, unless you? suddenly we can make a, a load of um, storage tankers, in which case maybe we should all be investing in storage tanker companies. Mm. Maybe that's a, that's a well, thing to uh, right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, every single. Um, oil tanker, floating oil tank, you know, that uh, the ships yeah. that deliver the crew from one end of the world to the other, they're all full. They're all sitting in outside ports. Singapore has got an armada of oil tankers full to the brim, moored up, waiting <laughs> for the time when the price rallies. <laughs> and to say that there's going to be an overhang, God, it's an understatement. I and mean, it's going to take some time before this price really uh, gets back to anywhere uh, it was before um, this whole uh, COVID-19 started. Yeah, it's that's fascinating. The, the the weird thing is, and I was sort of talking to my my wife about uh, about this last week, and she sort of looked to me like, just stop being so boring. But it was such a yeah. uh, it was such a one-off, such an amazing situation. And um, and of course, when you're not in the office, it's sort of hard to talk to people about it because they like look at you yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, no one can benefit from the obvious thing, which is cutting um, petrol and diesel prices, because none of us are going out. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a curious I, irony, isn't I, it? I, I had to fill up my car once, uh, I think it was last week, because uh, you know I, I make a couple of trips to the office per week to get mail and just check it's uh, still there. Um, uh, and I'm hardly using any diesel at all. Uh, but I, I think I filled up at 105. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes lower, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I I tell you one one thing. I, I was speaking to um, a, f a friend of mine who, you know, one of his a friend of a friend is, is a security business, and he says they're, they're they're doing ever so well because, of course, um, with a lot of companies empty, a lot of uh, places empty, they're laying on security to look after it because of their insurance, and um, yeah. so they're yeah. having to recruit additional. Um, additional security staff to to look at look over them so they're, they're these interesting sort of industries that are that are doing quite well at the moment and um and of course plenty that aren't um, sadly but uh, oh, yeah uh, anyway 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 um so should we should we move on then jerry anything else to, to add before we look at the calendar uh, no that's uh, we touched on those subjects i think there Okay. Um, well, look, let's um, let's bring the calendar up then. So we last week um, we had um, well a few things out which we talked about things like the durable goods, um, things like the unemployment claims. Actually, a lot closer to expectations last week. The unemployment claims data, wasn't it, Jerry? And I guess they're probably maybe are they getting a slightly better handle on things? Perhaps not. Well, I mean, not, yeah. not really. It's the, it's the initial sort of impetus but it's still an horrendous number of jobs Adrian I mean it's just shocking oh, God, absolutely yeah. shocking yeah. Um, I think in total if you uh, if you click on the right hand side that graph you can see let's see the scale of the unemployment claims so far um, since the uh, effect of the uh, COVID-19 uh, epidemic has been felt you can add up the 3 million uh, 15 20 you know we're up to sort of 26 million jobs yes because this is new claims isn't it so yeah, it's, yeah. this is not a new this is not cumulative this is um new ones each month each, uh, correct each week each week each week sorry yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. it's it, it's i've never seen i mean i follow this stuff you would 
200,000, 300,000, not, not 6 million in a week. It's, it's, it's astonishing. Um, mm. Obviously, a lot of those will be temporary, short term, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah. you just don't know with what's going to happen here. And um, there are lots of concerns still that I have about this uh, pandemic never going away until we got a viable uh, vaccine. And that's yeah. just... Um, well, we can see some of the data from last Thursday in the Eurozone, like the flash services um, PMI uh, data. Um, and so we're expecting 28.3, which would be, what you know, what a 50% contraction. Uh, I guess mm. if, 50, if 50 is the status quo, then that's not far off. But look at that. Yeah, that yeah, means it's right. fallen by, what, 70%, uh, I guess, unless I'm sort of misunderstanding something. Mm. Um, no, no, no. And, uh, you know, in the Euro, the, the, uh, I'm not sure which country that might be, but it's the whole of the Eurozone, perhaps. These are uh, sobering figures, aren't they? That's, that's yeah. basic. Yeah. Yeah. They are just. Should we, should we have a quick look at the week ahead then? Let's, let's get away from that. It's all a bit depressing, isn't it? So what, 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 what do we need to have a look at for, um, for the week ahead, Jerry? Uh, okay, um, we've already uh, we got a, a bunch of earnings. I've already mentioned that, and a few central banks uh, having their monthly policy meetings. So we kick off Monday uh, with one that's happened already. Bank of Japan uh, had their monthly policy meeting. I think there's only so much that banks, central banks, can do. Adrian, um, yeah. I, I think every, the banks we expect them to. Uh, you know, ease monetary policy. And a lot of them have done as much as they can do. And I think a lot of it now is up to governments uh, to, to, to spend money where they can. Uh, governments have got money to spend, that is. Um, so the Bank of Japan have done pretty much what was expected. They boosted monetary stimulus in the form of more QE, more quantitative easing. Um, they did have a cap on their amount of bond purchases. This is where they're buying uh, sovereign bonds, uh, which basically puts money into the financial system to lubricate uh, and encourage businesses not to go to the wall, uh, to have enough capital to survive the pandemic, which is the same argument for all the other central banks, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, what else? So consumer um, lack of confidence. Uh, that's coming out on yeah, Tuesday yeah, as well. Yeah, that's that's the conference board's uh, reading. And it's quite these numbers are always very interesting because it tells us what uh, future activity is likely to be. So what we refer to this as a, as a leading indicator. Uh, so if the consumer is feeling happy, content, they'll tend to go out and buy uh, goods. And if they buy goods, the companies that are selling them those goods are making more money. And so the circle goes on and on and on. Uh, but here, 90.1 is just horrendous. There's no historical chart we can look at, but it, it, believe you me, that's just shocking. So as you refer to it, it's a dire number, a lack of consumer confidence. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, GDP, uh, advanced GDP coming in from, uh, on Wednesday, 1.30 UK time. So uh, minus 3.9 uh, quarter on quarter. Yeah, it's again, shocking. And this is Q1. So this is the gross domestic product. That's the value of all goods and services produced in the United States in Jan, February and March. Um, it's the first of three releases. So uh, after the end of the quarter, they rushed to try and get the data out. Uh, and you might say, well, hang on a second, it's already a month into it. But there's a lot of collating that has to happen. And this is the first reading. Curiously, the advanced reading is the one before the prelim number. You think prelim would come first, but anyway. So the advanced number, the very first reading, a 3.9% fall in Q1. Bearing in mind, 
we're really worried about what's happening in Q2. That's April, May and yeah. June. So this Particularly is... with the US, because obviously they were a bit, you know, later to the party with all the shuts yeah. down, weren't they? Shut, shut yeah, down. So it's right. probably, it was probably didn't even happen in Feb in March anyway. Uh, really? Well, Maybe I think it's it, very yeah, the yeah, the markets have started to react quite badly, but um, yeah, I take your point. No, it's but what, I, what, I, what I mean is things like lockdown measures is, is really what I'm referring to. That, that probably didn't really happen until uh, as we moved into, um, you know, April, uh, I would think, in the States. Yeah, uh, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, GDP. Uh, uh, and then on the same day, Wednesday, we got the FOMC. So probably uh, the most important uh, central bank in the world. In fact, almost certainly, certainly at this stage, um, they have done as much as they can do to um, help the US economy. Jay Powell, who is the chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, chairman of the uh, committee that sets rates, the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, as it's called. We love acronyms. Um, uh, he said it was impossible to give uh, forecasts because of the novel nature of this pandemic and he's probably quite right um he's done as much as the central bank was expected to do and i think it's eased most of the fear in the markets what else could happen they might announce more measures it's probably going to be technical in nature so i don't think there's going to be any great impact uh, expected from the federal uh, reserve this week uh, so that's wednesday um, and then Thursday, um, similar sort of thing for the ECB, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the European Central Bank meets, although it doesn't actually say uh, European Central Bank on Forex factories. But anyway, they set the refinancing rate. They're not due to make any changes to the interest rate there. Uh, but it's the policy statement that will be interesting. I think uh, more quantitative easing is pretty much guaranteed. Uh, they'll increase the scale of the quantitative easing. So buying more bonds and um, re easing the restrictions on which bonds they can buy. There's not much more they can do though, Adrian. You know, we, mm. <laughs> central banks have done it and it's up to governments. I mean, yeah. in the good old days, governments used to control economies, not central banks. Um, so, uh, And it's up to governments to spend money in the right way to help their industries survive and be viable for when things do return to normal, whenever that might be. Um, and some countries, certainly the Southern European countries, are quite strapped for cash. So it's a dilemma that the EU is still wrestling with. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then finally, uh, moving through to um, uh, Friday. Um... May Day. Uh, normally a bank holiday. Well, in fact, it is a bank holiday in most European countries, but not the UK. We never have the 1st of May off unless it coincides on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, but so very little out on, on Friday, but uh, the UK markets are open. US markets are open and we've got um, a reading on the manufacturing sector. Uh, again, not the most, not the biggest sector in the US, but it's an important sector, obviously, being there being the other one, the services sector, which is a lot bigger, like in most developed countries. But we've got a reading, 36.1, uh, 36.7, sorry, for the expectation there, which is just not good. <laughs> and so, uh, and the status quo is basically 50, isn't it? So that just gives you an yeah. idea in percentages. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, you, you just need to look at that chart again uh, on the right hand side. If you click that chart emblem, you can see yeah, how yeah. shockingly bad it is. And I'm talking about, you can see going all the way back to 2012, 2010, it's, it's never been this bad. It's, it's just shocking. 
yeah, 2009, you sort of get down to those sort of numbers on the credit crunch, basically. But um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep, pretty grim. Uh, but then, of course, the the other thing, just like we were talking about guidance um, from uh, the FOMC and guidance from the Eurozone and ECB, uh, we'll be looking at guidance from stocks this week, won't we? So there's quite a lot of the big stocks that are reporting this week as well. Do you want to just give us one or two of the highlights, yeah, Jerry? Yeah, just as we, we, we got the banks coming out in the UK, HSBC on Tuesday, uh, Barclays and Standard Chartered on Wednesday, and uh, Royal Bank of Scotland on Friday. Banks are pretty much unloved here in the UK now because the FCA prevented them from uh, paying any dividends. And let's face it, there weren't many reasons to buy bank shares, and they've removed that last reason. So they're not loved by many. Um, big hitters in the US, we've got... Um, uh, Alphabet, uh, previously known as Google, uh, comes out on Tuesday. Uh, we've also uh, got the, uh, in the US Facebook on Wednesday. Facebook and Google, or Alphabet, have been hit by a fall in advertising revenue. So interesting to see how well they've done and what guidance they're going to give. Apple, wow, out on Thursday. A fall in sales is a bit obvious, but by how much? Uh, mm. We'll wait to see what they've got to say. On a completely different story for Amazon, they also released on Thursday. Um, we all know how many um, uh, Amazon packaging boxes we've got in our garages and barns, and or barns in my case. Uh, it's just incredible. Uh, and I feel very guilty using Amazon because I wish I could use local suppliers, but they can't deliver or they're not open. Uh, but I, I, think uh, it's a, I think it's a concerning story with Amazon. I think people are going to get even more used to buying stuff from Amazon than they were before. I, I, I hope people go back to looking after the local company if they aren't already. Well, you have to make a conscious effort to do that, Adrian. That's the only way to do it. But uh, for now, if you want to get stuff done at home and you're waiting for to get something delivered, it's the weapon of choice. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Apple, sorry, Amazon on Thursday. Uh, then we got the oil companies out there. Oil, wow. Well, that's a big issue for a lot of uh, companies. We got BP on Tuesday, big dividend payer. Are they going to cut their dividends? What's going to happen there? Royal Dutch Shell on Thursday in the uh, uh, Dutch stroke UK. Uh, are they going to cut their dividends? It's bit that big debate happening. And then in the US on Friday, ExxonMobil and Chevron. So a lot of big hitters out this week. I think we'll have a better idea come Friday evening exactly what the prospects are for businesses, uh, certainly the big business, um, as the um, pandemic uh, progresses. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So it should provide us with lots of content for uh, next Monday's podcast. Yeah. Um, so something to yeah. something for you all to look forward to. I can see the not, excitement. Not, uh, not, not, not that we're struggling to find something to talk about. It's, <laughs> well, uh, it, it's a fascinating times here uh, and, and, and quite distressing for a lot of people, a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals and um, uh, gosh, to say it needs reconciling sooner rather than later for a lot of people is an understatement. And I, and I hope we can get it reconciled. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, of course, in the meantime, it is making for some very interesting moves on those financial markets, the FX markets, indices, commodities, um, and some great trading opportunities as well. And I know that, you know, we've seen, um, speaking to a lot of people taking on, trying to trade the markets at the moment, but if they don't have the right strategies, it's becoming a very, very difficult time for them. So what we're doing this week is we're laying on three, um, three events this week um, to help um, teach uh, home traders how to, uh, how to 
to trade uh, in the same way that we do. And we're teaching one of our trading strategies. It's called the sniper strategy. So three simple rules for helping to identify great trade uh, turning points in the market. So if you'd like to come along and book in for one of our live uh, trading events, um, please do so. You can go to our website, trend-signal.com, and you can book in from there or visit the short link for our um, webinar registration page, uh, which is bit.ly, so bit.ly slash learn ts so bit.ly slash learn ts book in for one of our upcoming events and we'll teach you one of our favorite tra uh, trading strategies here how we identify great trades some of the tools and technology that we use on a daily basis that help us to identify great trades as well and the other thing with our podcast as well is that uh, if you enjoy our podcast please like it share it uh, review it whatever it is that you do with your chosen podcast provider and also, um, you know, if you want to have a look at a variety of different places to listen to us and watch us, you can listen to us on Apple iTunes. Just search for the Trend Signal podcast. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or even watch it as well on YouTube. Slightly different dimension watching it rather than just listening by going to YouTube or even our little old website, which is trend-signal.com slash trendsignal dash blog okay so trend signal dash blog uh and you'll find uh where we upload our podcast on a weekly basis and you can come through listen to us watch us interact us and of course if you've got any questions you want to interact with us ask us the questions for next week's uh podcast please do so we love uh doing these sessions live we love the participation of it um and asking any questions uh, answering any questions you might well have so to do so just send your questions through to info at trend-signal.com and we'd love to go through any of your content and suggestions there but otherwise um for myself have a great week's trading we'll be back next monday for the podcast there but for myself and jerry enjoy yep, stay safe and um we'll catch you next time bye-bye for now yeah, bye now.